the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. So go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Find out how they can help you with your long-term plans. This is going to be a bit of a rant. I'm a little ticked off today, and I'm going to try to be measured. But I'm also going to be honest and straightforward because I'm tired of people getting away with lies. I'm tired of people painting their own personal truths at the expense of others. Yes, you may experience something one way, and because of the way you choose to view that experience, you may be hurt or mortified or offended. But there are others around you who perceive it very differently. And I've learned that the hard way through the course of my life. So I'm going to stand on my two feet today and stick up for some people at Monday and Sunday Night Football who I believe have been wronged in a book that's coming out. Just yesterday in People Magazine, I read this highlight. Monday Night Football alum Lisa Guerrero reveals she suffered miscarriage on live TV during a game. It goes on to take a hammer to one of my dearest friends, the producer of Monday Night Football and then Sunday Night Football and currently the Amazon NFL package Thursday Night Football, Fred Gadelli. And her descriptions of her experience on Monday Night Football, her one season experience there are far different from the 13 seasons I worked with Fred Gadelli and company on Monday and Sunday Night Football. And I think what she's doing is wrong, and I think her motivations are not pure. And I'm going to take this on. And like I said, I'm going to be measured, but I'm going to be honest. And some of you may not like the way I describe things. I'm just going to tell you what I know and be as clear about this as I can. Because I think what we have here is someone seeking out attention and creating some drama that is, whether intentionally or otherwise, dragging some people, throwing some people under a bus in a way that is is wrong. It's flat out wrong. Having said that, my response to Lisa Guerrero's claims and what she's writing about in her book are coming up. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Okay, like I said, I'm going to try to be fair. I'm going to try to be level-headed and tempered in my response to this. But again, I'm fairly pissed off. But I'm going to try to keep that in check. I'm going to read to you what I have in front of me from Lisa Guerrero and People Magazine. And I'm going to interject what I believe is really the, 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 to be the case here, to be true. So the headline on this story, which dropped January 18th, 2023, Monday Night Football alum Lisa Guerrero reveals she suffered miscarriage on live TV during a game. In an exclusive excerpt of her new memoir, Warrior, the journalist looks back on the painful secret she's kept since her controversial 2003-2004 season on Monday Night Football. So I began in 2004. I was the reporter that followed Lisa Guerrero. So I had the same cast and crew. I worked with Al Michaels and John Madden. And the producer was Fred Gadelli. The director was Drew Esikoff. This was at ABC Sports 
I started in 2004 after Lisa Guerrero was let go. Same cast of characters, same crew. She worked with them for one year. I worked with them for 13. Of course, John Madden retired. Chris Collinsworth came in. He was the only change, really, the major change in our crew. Uh, all right, I'm going to begin. This is written by Sandra Sob Sobierich Westfall. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Here we go. Years before she was chasing down bad guys with her Inside Edition camera crew in tow, Lisa Guerrero was struggling to keep other bad guys from destroying her and her career in sports reporting. She was struggling to keep other bad guys from destroying her and her career in sports reporting. So I I'm a big believer that, yeah, I guess other people can destroy you, but if you're doing things right, you're living right, and you're doing your job well, People can't destroy you. I, I realize there's some exceptions here, but this is, this is strongly editorialized here. Here's Lisa Guerrero's quote. I wanted to be the Barbara Walters of sports. Guerrero, now 58, tells people in an interview for this week's issue. I was doing these big sit-down interviews with tough, tough athletes who weren't very open with the media. Barry Bonds, Shaquille O'Neal, Alex Rodriguez, and they were opening up to me. She wanted to be the Barbara Walters of sports. Barbara Walters is one of the toughest people on the planet. You've got to be tough if you want to succeed at the pinnacle of any industry, whether it's orthopedic surgery, whether it's being an astronaut, working for NASA, whether it's sports reporting, whether it's the nightly news. It is a tough business and it's what you sign up for and you either can cut it or you can't. She wanted to be the Barbara Walters. I contend she was not tough enough if that's what she really wanted to be. I'll go on. But the men in sports media had their own ideas. Immediately we come down to it's men versus women, right? The men had other ideas. All the men were against Lisa Guerrero. Here's her quote. Mm -hmm. I was trying to be Barbara Walters while all these radio sports show guys were trying to be the next Howard Stern, Guerrero says. They did it for sport, just eviscerating me constantly and talking about my breasts and sexual acts and how I probably was able to get all these big athletes to talk to me. Okay, again, this is what you sign up for. If I had a dime for every tweet that rips Chris Collinsworth or Al Michaels, I could retire right now and probably buy an island somewhere and live comfortably for the rest of my life. Whether you're male or female, you get eviscerated by the media, by social media, and by a bunch of dumbasses who call themselves sports talk radio hosts. Some of these sports talk radio hosts are really good. How do I know that? I used to be one. I cut my teeth in radio. I was eviscerated by someone in San Diego in the L.A. area who said I should stay at home in the kitchen with my bare feet. I should never work in sports. That was how I started my career. And I could have gone cowering into a corner and cried and let it beat me. Or I could have said, I'll show him. Which one do you think I chose? I'm 58 years old, too. Same as Lisa Guerrero. We worked in exactly the same era. But there's a big, there are a lot of differences between me and Lisa Guerrero. Yes, we both have Hispanic surnames. That's a similarity. Yes, we're both brunettes. The physical comparison stopped there. She is gorgeous. She is flat out beautiful. She's taller than I am. She wears clothes extremely well. She was introduced as the new um, sideline reporter on Good Morning America. Was I? Uh-uh. She was introduced on the ESPY Awards with Al and John Madden. Was I? Uh-uh. I think we all know why. My cup size is significantly smaller. Did I complain about it? No. Did I go get a boob job? Thought about it, but no, I did not. What I decided to do was my job and to be better at it than anybody else. And I don't know if I was better at it than anybody else, but that was my goal was to be good at my job and do my job well so I could succeed, not for anybody else's sake, not to appease any other sports talk radio person, 
but to make myself proud and to do the job the way I thought it should be done. And thanks to Fred Gadelli, who was my producer too, I won four Emmys and I was nominated every year I was eligible. This is the person she says tried to destroy her career because he was a man. I'll go on. As Guerrero details in her upcoming new memoir, Warrior, out January 24th and excerpted exclusively below, the misogynistic abuse hurled at her in her sports journalism career only got worse when she reached the pinnacle in 2003, sideline reporter for Monday Night Football and its weekly audience of 40 million people. See, something happens when you get to the top of the hill. More people want to drag you down. That's the territory you walk into, and if you don't know that going in, then your agent or somebody better tell you, because it's what you're signing up for. Al Michaels still gets criticized. Chris Collinsworth still does. So does Troy Aikman. So does Joe Buck. So does Lisa Salters. So does Melissa Stark. So does Aaron Andrews. So does Pam Oliver. So did I. We all got it. Every actor... Every person in the public eye gets it. And if you don't want it, don't get into the field. I'm sorry, but that's the way it goes. Because the world isn't perfect and it's not fair. And from what I understand from very, very good sources, Lisa Guerrero was an attention-seeking drama queen during her tenure on Monday Night Football. I'll continue. This is People Magazine writing. At Monday Night Football, her dream job became her nightmare. She writes that MNF's executive producer, Freddie Goodelli, by the way, it's Fred Goodelli. Only those of us that know and love him call him Freddie. Joined the chorus of outside trolls by criticizing her clothes, her posture, her script writing, and frequently resorting to angry screeds. When you are the executive producer of a film, of a television show, of a radio program, of a podcast, and someone works with you and for you, you get to have the final say. I I can tell you that jackets that Al and Chris wore were often under Fred's scrutiny, the tie, They had a person who helped us with all of our style choices. I remember a phone call I got after I wore a particular purple blouse one night on, I think it was Monday. It might've been Sunday night football. I can't remember. They bleed together. And I was gently told, yeah, I shouldn't wear that again. One of the worst uh, takedowns I ever got about my wardrobe happened at another network. And you know what? I'm going to leave it nameless and faceless because I don't care. It was part of the job. I wore a crappy outfit one day and I heard about it. My hair looked bad. I heard about it. My makeup looked like crap. I heard about it. Because you know what? You're on television. And if the lighting guy doesn't hold your light right, guess what? He hears about it too. And if the camera guy screws up a shot, he hears about it too. You're at the pinnacle. You can either hack it or you can't. But Everyone, from the play-by-play announcer to the analyst to the sports reporter down to the cable puller, they all hear about it when they make mistakes. Believe me, it's part of the job. And that's why the strong survive in this industry. So criticizing her clothes, her posture, I don't really know what that means, her script writing, um... Yeah, see, here's the thing. When you write reports that are going to air on national television in front of an audience of 40 million, they better be grammatically correct, factually correct, stylized properly. They need to be done well. That's a a producer's role is to say that's not going to work and here's why. Why don't we reframe that question? Why don't we fix this? You know what? I bet if we flip-flop the order, that would work a little bit better. We all did that. And by the way, Freddie Gadelli, my friend, encouraged me and also accepted my criticisms. I I would say to him, Fred, why didn't we get that one story? And we really had an opportunity. And he's, I know I blew it. 
I blew that. I, 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 I got to be better. So this woe is me. I'm the only one being criticized and someone's critiquing my scripts. It's part of the business. Sorry. You may want to be coddled and handheld through all of this. That ain't the way it happens. I will also add, and I know this, this for a fact that Lisa Guerrero's fiance, Scott Erickson was often on the field with her, helping her, changing things, advising her. You don't do that in television. You don't bring your partner, your significant other down there to handhold you through the process. You get the work done and you do it. You prepare and you do it. And if you make a mistake, you make a mistake and it's there for 40 million people to see. And you got to live with that and everything that comes along with that. And everyone who's been in broadcasting from Bob Costas to, to me will tell you that's the way it goes. Quick break and I'll pick this up right on the other side of this. You know, yeah, I'm in a bit of a mood because someone's taking a stab at an industry and people that I love. And for very selfish reasons, I think just to sell a book. And it pains me. All right. In spite of that, we need to talk about your financial future, which is just as important to me as anything else that I say on this show. We're in ridiculous financial times, inflation's come. People are looking at 2023 like it's going to be worse than 2022, and that ought to concern you. But don't get paralyzed by fear. Do something about it. I'm going to recommend that you think about, think about investing in gold and silver with the only folks that I trust in the gold and silver market, and that is legacy precious metals. Gold prices are rising. And why is that? Well, investors are turning to gold as a hedge against inflation and a protection against a weakening dollar. And it's as simple as that. And so legacy precious metals can help you protect your retirement. You've got to think about decisions for now, but you've got to think about decisions for then too. And there is still time. Think back to 2008. We were in similar straits. And those who invested in gold saw nice gains, significant gains, and others lost their retirements. So make this call while there's still time. This is about a long-term play for you and your family. If you want, you can speak directly to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals. They can answer all of your questions, educate you on every aspect of this investment. Here's the number. It's 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903. In the meantime, download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So again, I will say um, that Lisa Guerrero spent one year at ABC's Monday Night Football, and um, I followed her. She's complaining about how Fred Gadelli joined the chorus of outside trolls. What Fred Gadelli's job is, is to make people better and make the show better. And every single day, we raised our standards. On Monday and then Sunday night football, because the whole crew went over to Sunday night football. I had a little five-year gap in there where I stayed at Monday night, but eventually wound up back with Fred and Drew and Al and Chris Collinsworth at Sunday night football, where I spent the last 11 years. 
And every day we worked to get better. So if my hair didn't look good, we talked, my makeup artist and I talked about it. If the jacket was wrong, if the color was bad, we talked about, I'll never forget, was doing a Washington game. They're now the commanders. They were the Redskins at the time. But I came onto the field in a jacket that was very much the color, that that burgundy of the Washington team. And John Madden says to Fred Goodelli, hey, uh, Michelle kind of looks like she's cheering for Washington here. So I had to send someone back to the hotel and change my outfit into a different color. That's how particular we were. I'll get to some other stuff in a minute here. I'm, I'm, I'm on a tear. We go back to People Magazine writing about Lisa Guerrero and her book. Miserable in that crucible of stress and self-doubt, Guerrero was let go from Monday Night Football after a single season. But as she reveals for the first time, she lost more than her job. Late in that season, at between 8 and 12 weeks pregnant, Guerrero had a miscarriage while she was on air in the middle of a game. It's a pain she has carried quietly for almost 20 years. This is Lisa Guerrero now. I'll quote her. People who knew what I was going on with my boss, Freddie, and who read how I was being treated in the media already looked at me with such pity, Guerrero explains. I was a shell of myself, and I felt such shame and embarrassment that the last thing I was going to say is, oh, and by the way, I just had a miscarriage. Most of my best friends will learn about it by reading the book. I've had multiple miscarriages. I've talked very openly about my struggles to have a baby, about my adoption of my second child. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Losing a pregnancy between eight and 12 weeks is not uncommon. Um, If it was such pain that she's carried for 20 years and her best friends still have to buy the book to learn about it, I see a disconnect there. It's her story to tell, but having been through similar things, trust me when I tell you, my best friends knew. Two quick anecdotes, not anecdotes, anecdotes. (laughs) Two quick anecdotes for which I wish I had anecdotes. When I was doing the Pro Bowl one year, I had gotten pregnant with in vitro. My husband and I were expecting identical twins. We knew this. Went out to do the Pro Bowl. I think it was the night before the game or two nights before the game. I can't recall. Something went wrong. And I spent about five hours between two emergency rooms in Hawaii, only to learn that both babies had lost their heartbeats. But it took two different emergency rooms to deliver that news to me. And this pain that I had been going through already with multiple miscarriages before this one reached a peak. And I called my producer of the Pro Bowl, Jay Rothman. And I said, Jay, I can't do the game. I'm going home. I got to go home. And he understood. And he said, go home. The second instance was I was pregnant with my son who, thank God, we delivered beautifully, healthily, normally. But while I was in that pregnancy, I was covering the NBA. And during a game, I started to have some spotting and I said to my producer in the middle of the game, Ed Fibishoff, I I think something's going wrong. I'm scared. And he said, get in the ambulance that's here at the arena and go to the hospital. And I did. And fortunately, everything was fine. But that was some serious crap in my life. And trust me when I tell you that all my best friends know about that. I don't know why you would wait to publish a book 15 years after the fact to reveal this to your best friends. And so I have my hesitation about, was this truly a devastating miscarriage? But it's her story to tell. I'm just trying to draw a little bit of a parallel there to let you know how I was feeling when I went through those things in similar circumstances, certainly not on the air, although the one was during an NBA game and I I felt it and I had to, I I left. It's what you do when you are wanting to carry a pregnancy. 
I don't, uh, Lisa Guerrero goes on about the miscarriage. I don't blame one person for this. The miscarriage wasn't because of Freddie and it wasn't because of one radio talk show host or one bad column. It was a culmination of the entire season of negativity and cruelty. It was really cruel. So she is claiming there that the miscarriage was caused by outside factors. I don't know. I had many of them myself. And my doctors, in my experience, and I don't know Lisa's experience, my experience was it just, it, this, this pregnancy just didn't take. It's quite, it's not uncommon. In fact, once you start to learn, as I learned so much during my own struggles, there are more miscarriages and more pregnancies that don't happen. It's, it's staggering. Regardless, I feel for her. It was an awful experience to go through. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either way what, what we can blame for that. I don't know. But I've been the victim of cruelty, too. That's when I chose to stop reading the Twitter responses. You can choose to do that. You can choose to say, that guy's an asshole, or they don't know me, or I'm going to get better, and I'm going to do my job well. And I've got a fiance whom I love, and I'm going to fight hard to do better. I'm going to continue here. Guerrero says she wants people to know that bullying, trolling, it has real consequences for real people. Quote, somebody is the target of that. Somebody feels that. Yes, you can be the target. And yes, it can suck. But you get to choose your reaction to it. After 10 years in the cheerleading business, Guerrero was a successful sports reporter and in love with Major League Baseball pitcher Scott Erickson when she was hired by Monday Night Football executive producer Freddie Gadelli. Again, it's Fred. I don't know why they kept using Freddie here. This was the biggest gig a woman could get in sports broadcasting, and it was big news that there would be a new reporter on the sidelines for the 2003 season. I flew to New York City for the official announcement on ABC's Good Morning America. I didn't get that announcement. When co-host Charlie Gibson introduced me, he sounded downright disappointed. Instead of asking about my work on television, he referred to me as a former cheerleader. It seemed that Charlie didn't think I was qualified, but I smiled wide. Well, Charlie, I was a cheerleader years ago, but I've been a sports reporter and anchor for a decade. He said he thought Melissa Stark was really good at the job. Melissa preceded um, Lisa and Melissa is now back on Sunday Night Football. He said he thought Melissa Stark was really good at the job. Melissa Stark was the woman I was replacing. I kept the smile plastered on my face. Everyone loves Melissa. She's great, but I'm really excited to be the new sideline reporter. I waited for the next question, but Charlie wrapped it up and walked away. I'm going to note here that as she describes this interview, she does not transcribe the interview. And what I mean by that is she does not quote Charlie Gibson directly. She says he referred to me. He, uh, it seemed that he didn't think I was qualified. He said he thought Melissa Stark was really good. Uh, he wrapped it up and walked away. She does not quote the interview, which would be really easy to do. And I just wonder why. Again, she decided to interpret Charlie as she wanted to. In her Monday Night Football regular season debut in, two, in September 2003, Guerrero asked the winning quarterback about another player she mistakenly called his, quote, ex-teammate. Freddie was still yelling into my IFB earpiece as I walked off the field to the production truck, feeling sick, my hands shaking. I opened the door and braced myself. Freddie's head snapped toward me as he demanded an explanation for my mistake. Freddie is a short guy. No, he's really not that short. Um, but at that moment, he reminded me of a hulking, roided-out linebacker about to deliver a vicious hit. I mean, what? Is she saying that Freddie was actually going to physically hit her? Tackle her? That's what he reminded her of. I, I, I Okay. Um, the mistake was a brain fart, she writes, but sports media were unforgiving, labeling her a bimbo and worse. 
there was an ugly misogyny running rampant through sports radio airwaves, and I was their perfect target. To them, I was the worst. I was everything that was wrong with sports. I alone had set women back decades. They'd attack my clothes, hair. Why was it so long? Even my nail polish. How dare I wear red? I must be a whore. Not you alone, Lisa. I heard it all too, not to the same extent, because I do not carry, in my opinion, the same sex appeal that you do. And to a certain extent, I envy you for that. You're a beautiful woman. But I heard it too. In my case, it was, you're so ugly and old, what are you doing on television? So it was a little different for me, but I got it too. But you get to make a choice. And you get to say, who are these idiots? And why am I giving them this power over my emotions? It's not easy. But you have the choice. You either do it or you don't. You either read the Twitter responses and take them to heart or you don't. But Monday Night Football's ratings spiked with Guerrero on the sidelines, and President George W. Bush invited her to host a White House reception for Hispanic Heritage Month, telling her he was a big fan of hers. None of the good news drowned out the bad. I was never invited to the White House. I just want to go on the record as saying that. Never. And I'm Hispanic, too. Freddie's criticisms obliterated all other of my life. A great job, lots of money, and a gorgeous fiancé. But I was thinking, who decides to get married when they're also considering killing themselves? That was how bad I felt. Guerrero hadn't had a period since starting Monday Night Football. She chalked it up to stress until a home pregnancy test proved otherwise. Okay, let me get back to this. Freddie's criticisms obliterated all other of my life. A great job, lots of money, and a gorgeous fiancé. But I was thinking, who decides to get married when they're also considering killing themselves? There's an interesting parallel I'm thinking of here. And her name is Meghan Markle, who also claims that she was suicidal while, you know, living as Prince Harry's wife. When you are in love with someone, it's generally, in my opinion, because you are, you're happy, you're fulfilled, you have each other, you're a team. And it's hard for me to understand how anyone who has that partner could consider killing themselves, although people do. But to point to, point to my friend, Fred Gadelli, and say that he obliterated everything that was good in her life, Though she and Erickson had agreed years earlier not to have children, Guerrero says she had started to, quote, fantasize about what our baby would be like. During the first half of a Monday Night Football game late in the season, she felt an intensifying pain in her abdomen. I pushed through and did my reports. When I felt a dampness between my legs, I thought, oh, I got my period. And then I remembered I was pregnant. I was having a miscarriage. I could feel blood leaking. The official's bathroom was in the tunnel behind me. I'm going to the bathroom, I told my assistant, whose job was to race around the field with me. He looked at me as if I were insane. They're about to throw to you. I delivered my live report. I was dizzy and nauseated, but reminded myself to stand up straight. During our Wednesday phone calls, Freddie would ream me out for bad posture. The pain was excruciating. I heard myself mispronounce a player's name, and I knew I'd hear about it later. As soon as I finished, I raced off to interview a coach. Then I headed to the bathroom. As I sat on the toilet, I couldn't believe the blood pouring out of me. It had soaked through my pants. I shoved a bunch of paper towels in my underwear. It never occurred to me to tell anyone. It never occurred to me that maybe I should have gone to a hospital or at the very least sat out the rest of the game. The only thought that crossed my mind was that I could get through the rest of the game as long as I buttoned up my long winter coat. That way no one would see the blood. It was as if I were on autopilot, get back on the sideline, interview the coach, listen to Freddie's directions. When the game ended, I was supposed to go to the production truck to talk to Freddie. Instead, I headed to the plane. In the bathroom, on board, I changed clothes and dumped my underwear and pants in the garbage can. I looked into the mirror and didn't recognize the pale, gaunt, sacred, and very tired woman who stared back at me. 
I, I, it's an awful situation to go through. This job is hard. It's relentless. There are a lot of jobs that are hard and relentless in this world. And you either can do them or you can't. Teachers get bullied by their students. Cops face life and death circumstances. Politicians get called out for every word they utter. Models get criticized for the way they look. Some sports reporters get called ugly and old. (laughs) And you get a choice in those circumstances. Do you go on? Do you want it badly enough to go on? Do you open your mind and say, maybe I can be better. Maybe I can do this job better. I wonder what it's going to take. Help me. Help me get better. I now want to read to uh, Fred Goodelli's responses because the New York Post, to which I submitted, by the way, a response of my own and they ignored, um, you know, he, 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 he wrote a statement and I'm going to read. Goodelli has spent the past 33 years executive producing NFL games. He worked with Guerrero at ABC. He left for the Sunday night football job at NBC in 2006 and also oversaw Amazon's Thursday night package this season. Uh, He is stepping into a less frenetic executive producing role with NBC and Amazon next season. Guerrero told people that Gadelli berated her over broadcasting errors, which obliterated all other parts of her life. Gadelli did not agree with Guerrero's assessment of how he treated her. Quote, I always tried to be Lisa's biggest advocate starting from the moment that I hired her, Gadelli told the Post. Her memory of that season and mine are quite different. This is the first time I'm learning of her pregnancy, and I'm sorry that she struggled through that difficult time without the full support of the team surrounding her. I unequivocally disagree with Lisa's account of the nature of my interactions with her. That's not how I recall our time together during our tenure at Monday Night Football, and it makes me very sad. Thirteen seasons I worked with Fred. He's a very demanding producer, which is why we have the number one show on television. Without Fred Gadelli, I don't win a Gracie Award. I don't win four Emmys. I don't get nominated for 11. Our show doesn't win Emmy after Emmy after Emmy. Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels likely aren't winning the number of Emmys they are winning without Fred Gadelli, without the preparation we do. I want to show you something really quick for those of you watching on YouTube. For those of you listening, I'll describe what I have here in my hands. This is a five by eight notebook. I had one of these for every single game that I did. This one was for a preseason game. Some people call them exhibition games. Pittsburgh at Tennessee. And for those of you that can see this, this game, this notebook is littered with notes and tabs and printouts of my scripts that I did in advance and then notes that I scribbled down. I also put injury reports in these little file folders. I had the injury histories of every player on every team. I was so ultra organized. Now, this is me. This is how I chose to do my job with incredible attention to detail, to be more prepared than anyone could ask me to be, to be prepared when I walked into the meetings, to be prepared when I started a game, to be able to deal with criticism. And some people can deal with it and some people can't. Early in my career, I was waiting outside the Vikings uh, locker room at the Metrodome. This is years ago when they played at the Metrodome. And there was another female reporter out there with me. And she said to me, are you going in there to the locker room? And I said, well, yeah, that's the job. And she said, I don't know how you can do that. I just don't think I can do that. Well, she didn't last. And that was her choice. There are ways to do this job. Many of us have lived to tell the tale. There are a lot of us who've been doing the job for a long time. Leslie Visser was a pioneer. I just thank God she opened the door for all of us. It was Gail Gardner. There was, I mean, we could go on and on. Hannah Storm was one of the, for Robin Roberts, Andrea Kramer, Susie Kalber. And there are many who've come after me. I can't not mention Lisa Salters, who's still on Monday Night Football. I, we all work, Pam, all, we work really hard, really hard. We are not the anomalies. 
I'm sad that Lisa Guerrero feels she needs to, 15 years after the fact, write this book. Try to throw Fred Gadelli under the bus. He is a Hall of Fame producer for a reason. He was inducted into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame a year ago. Drew Esikoff, our director, was just inducted this last fall or December, I think. Fred is a Hall of Fame producer for a reason. He demands excellence. He raises the bar every single day. And you either want to make that journey with him or you don't. And if you don't, you don't have to take the job. You don't have to keep the job. There's no shame in that. But to blame your shortcomings or your failures or your mistakes on other people is an easy way out. And it seems to be a way that a lot of people want to go these days. I didn't succeed because people colluded against me. I, now, look, there are, there are true victims in life. But when you have control over your mind and how you respond to things, you can ultimately not be a victim and instead be a victor, as a lot of people like to say. I am so grateful for the direction that I received from Fred Gadelli from the support. I'd say that he and Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and John, the late great John Madden championed me. They sustained me. They raised the bar that I wanted to reach for. They made me want to be better. We all worked our asses off individually and as a team. And that's what you do to stay at the pinnacle. I know that a lot of people don't like these days merit and hard work and success and someone being deemed the best at something. Seems like it's okay when we're giving out, you know, best female vocalist award or best actor or best supporting actress. Why is that okay? But why is it not okay to say, you know what, that show is among the best or is the best. And the reason those people have been in those jobs for as long as they have and succeeded is because they're the best at what they do. Why? What is wrong with that? You don't think Jim Nance has ever been critiqued? You don't think Tony, Tony Romo's ever run into his fair share of criticism? It, it's men, women, black, white, all of us. And if you want to say, it's the trolls that ruined me, it's the trolls that took me down, it's sports talk radio that ruined my career, you're entitled to do that. I'd just like to stand up for those of us who worked our asses off, who collaborated, who took the criticism, who were forged by fire, if you will, who went through the grinder and got spit out the other side with thicker skin. And I'm so grateful for all of my scar tissue. It makes me who I am right now. So if this seems harsh to you, if this is a brutal reaction to what I've read in the papers here the last two days, so be it. What's been written about my friend and colleague is unfair. I, I don't know what else to say, except Fred, I support you. You know that because I've texted you here in the last couple of days and this too shall pass. And why after 15 years, someone feels the need to put this book out, alleging these things. I, I it's, it's, I don't understand it, but she's entitled as I said, I'm a free speech absolutist, but free speech means I get to respond too. And there you have it. And this has been Sideline Sanity. Don't forget to do good and be freaking brave. You've got it in you. Trust me, you do. Dig for it. Thanks for listening. Always a good day when Charles Thorngren of Legacy Precious Metals can join us and answer some really different questions. And I thought of a few new ones for you, Charles, if that's okay. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated and we hear so much about gold and silver and, and precious metals. So if I could just ask this broad question, what is the role of gold mm. in a portfolio? Great question. And when we look at that and the answer to that is, has a couple of different features to it. It depends on the individual, but its main purpose is the insurance policy for your finances. It is meant to be the foundation by which you do all other things, right? We know that gold and silver um, have an inverse relationship to the dollar. Um, it protects your purchasing power. So when we invest, that's what we're saying. We want to make sure that we have the ability to manage our money and have our money do what we need it to do for us. It's not the collection of dollars for dollar's sake, but for what it does for us, how we pay our bills, how we retire how we feed our family, how we uh, go on and bless others and, and donate to causes we believe in. That's what money does for us. It's not the dollar itself. It's the thing it provides for us. And what gold does is make sure that that money continues to have purchasing value. Because there are times we find that, hey, my money doesn't have the same purchasing Absolutely. value it had last month. Absolutely. And, and this is a unique time. We're seeing it. I, I, this term called hyperinflation, which usually is refers to, you know, inflation in the 18s and 20%. I consider this a time of hyperinflation because it's so much more than what we're normally used to, right? When we prepare and we budget and we say, this is the course of my life and this is how I'm going to do things. This is where I'm going to put my money. We use some basic numbers, two to 3% inflation. That's what the Fed says is good, but that's not even great over a lifetime. That's a lot of inflationary loss to your dollar. But when you have a period where it jumps to the points where we're at now, and we're in the eight and a half, nine is gonna be into the double digits soon, in this shorter time frame, that's a hyperinflation situation to me because it throws everything off dynamically and so, so radically. You do, you do see us going into double digits, huh? Absolutely. Oh. The Fed even sees us going into double digits. You know, there was a, an interesting report where one of the, the Fed chairmen were saying, 2023, we're not going to talk about that. But in 2024, by summer, we may be able to start to drop the interest rates. When someone tells me they're in charge of something, but they say this new year that's coming, just forget about that completely. We're not even going to talk about that. That's a bad sign. <laughs> they don't want you to think about it. Exactly. They don't. They want you to look past it and sort of ride it, ride it off and, right now. Just don't even think yeah. about it. It's going to be bad. But hey, 2024, though, you know, and interestingly enough, right around the time of an election, they want to start talking about what they're going to do. Isn't that fascinating? That timing is just really interesting. Before I we finish up here, I, I'm always fascinated with how gold is priced. How, how do we get a price of gold? You know, the spot price of gold is really determined by the world market. The London Bullion Exchange, right? And this has been for hundreds of years now, um, sets a price and the rest of the world revolves around that. Now, our currency will determine how much more than it is in the pound and things like that. And there's a calculation for it. But that's one of the great things about gold and silver. Their value is recognized around the world. No matter what currency, what country you're in, it has value. Uh, I just recently come back from a trip where I was overseas not that long ago, and I bring gold with me everywhere I go. Um, not a lot, so don't try to catch me in the airport. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I have something that is valuable no matter where I'm at. I can go anywhere in any country and turn that into its currency in no time at all. You're talking about carrying around physical gold. Absolutely. Really. Absolutely. Do you, do you, do you How walk much around is with safe dollars? to carry around if you're well? No, you're right. So if and and that gold is going to have the same uh, value across the board, no matter no matter where I go, slight right? Because very slight deviations, yep. but it's not very large. Okay. You know, usually less than one yeah. percent difference in the price. This is really interesting. I, I can't let you go before I ask you this because I'm picturing you now walking around with some <laughs> you know, gold coins in your pocket. I'm thinking, wow, that would feel 
risky. But when you go into another country, for instance, with some gold, how easy is it for you to go say, here, I want to exchange this for, or, you know, I'm assuming you're not going to a restaurant and slapping down a gold no. bullion or something. No. But you could overseas. In certain places of the world, they recognize that just like regular currency. Wow. But I wouldn't use but, gold. But it's dinner. easy to ch exchange once you get to another country? Yeah. Just very easy. Most of the time you can do it at the airport, same places where they change currency. A lot of them will change uh, metals too. And is physical bullion the, the, the best way to go? It is. It really is. When you're traveling or always in any investment in gold? Uh, you know, there's certain things you can do outside of just bullion that may make sense once you've laid a portfolio down, right? Um, diversity in metals is important too, but your basis for all investments should be your basic bullion, whether it's gold or silver. You want to have that foundation set in the base metal itself, giving you the most value that you can get. And obviously every person's situation is unique. So why not just call and speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or they can always download your free investor's guide, right? It's true. at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Do you have any gold on you right now? I do. Give me half a second. I got to see this. I just want to see. I mean, I, it's it seems like almost like in the old days when you walk around with that, you know, Mr. Scrooge and his gold coins in his pocket. Not that you're Scrooge. Can you sort of turn it around and show us that? That's Now, for our listeners, they're not going to be able to, 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 to see what we're seeing. But you've got a little container and... They're just, they're kind of the size of half dollars, right? Yeah, Would just about a half dollar. And this is, this is the American Gold Eagle. And this is uh, $22,000 worth of metal. Yikes. Charles isn't messing around. <laughs> and neither are we. But please go get your questions answered. This is such an important time to be thinking about your money, your long-term play, in addition to every short-term concern that you have. Charles, always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And you know what? 2023 is coming. Call now, find out <laughs> so you can make your decisions for, before then. Yes. And before the elections again, yes. and they can tell us what they're going to tell us then. They're, they're telling you to overlook 2023. That means you now's the time to inquire. Absolutely. Again, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Charles Thorngren, always good to see you. Thank you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.